0: Hi, I am Thomas Legrand and this is Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast.
1: Welcome to Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm your host, Will Brucker, and today we are taking part two of our, uh, so far has been amazing, our our conversation with Thomas LeGrand. I'm going to mess that up every time, but I'm I'm doing my best French accent because I just love the language. But we've talked about so much already, so if you didn't see episode one, you've got to go back and watch that. But I want to pick up and uh, start where... Kind of where we left off on the last episode, where we're talking about generations and kids and how we can really transform culture by investing in our children.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, um, as I was saying, um, you know, this is, um, we need a cultural evolution and it's easier, uh, a a big part of it will just come through a new generation. Uh, But we also need to be able to make space for the their new values to express themselves right so that means each of us has also to you know do the work to and collectively also to understand what are the the good aspects of our personalities of our ways of of being in our communities and the more um, you could call it negative or just say like they are not that adapted to and they are creating some problems so uh we need to um be able to r- look inside of us and 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 be able to to change in order to welcome uh new positive values that new generations may bring
1: yeah i love that welcome the new values new generations bring i consider myself a young man i'm not anymore and i'm coming to accept it you know i'm dealing with it um, and I, I see so much happening with people who are truly young people—their the, use of technology, their creativity, uh, just the way that they view life and the world—it is so amazing to me. But I love to use the example of a bathtub, and I take baths just about every day and soak, just because I need to de-stress, just release, you know, the the challenges of the day and whatnot. But what I, I see with a bathtub is you can have water in there, and if, if it's dirty or you know you've got soap in it or whatever that may be, you can add new water, and it doesn't fundamentally change. Over time, if you keep that water running, eventually, oh, you know you you get new uh, new water in there, but that residue and that memory still kind of lingers. What are some of the things we can do to ensure that as the seasoned generation, we're not stifling this evolution of young people in their values and their quest to be a, a being centered people. How do we ensure we're not tarnishing them?
0: So you say you feel you're not a, uh, seems you feel young inside.
1: I feel young inside. Exactly. It's just so that's the a point. Maybe,
0: uh, so you are truly young. It's not only about your age, it's about how do you feel inside. So if you are able, to, be, uh, to change, to evolve, to refresh yourselves, etc. You keep being young, no? And that's you make space inside of you for these kind of new ideas, new ways of being to, uh, to express themselves in you, right? So how do we make space for something new? I think it's through introspection, looking inside. And I think uh, we need to recognize that there is a lot of healing to be done. Uh, uh, what I'm saying is that traumas, uh, healing traumas, is a gateway to being. So bas- the, the whole point of the book is being is just or uh, should just it's just natural, it's a natural aspiration. And when, hel- when healthy people do naturally good. So it's just very simple, right? But we are not able to get this so easy because we're just, uh, used to other ways to, um, and, and we need to do, uh, that work of healing, looking at our past, looking at maybe, you know, I know that the, the U.S. is facing, uh, more and more, you know, his own past in terms of slavery, for example, or other types of, uh, exploitation. And that is uh, a very important work. Uh, only, you know, making peace with the past and unter- understanding, you know, what has happened and w- what has been the consequences up to date can we really be able to, uh, to change. So
1: healing trauma is really the gateway to this politics of being.
0: To being, exactly.
1: Oh my god Being goodness. is a
0: natural way and all societies could be much more uh, collaborative and much more effective if uh, there would not be all these kind of traumas uh, on the way. Do you say that everyone has trauma? There are different types of traumas. Some are the ones that uh, we have experienced in this life, some are the ones that our ancestors have experienced. And I would say, you know, in our DNA, there are information that comes from. Thousands, you know, or tens of thousands of years, and uh, they are from human beings, but even from the whole history of life on Earth. So there is a lot of things that can um, that uh, we can uh, uh, experience, but that is uh, not really our true essence.
1: So trauma isn't our true essence, but we can heal it and we can learn from it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And even it can be, when it is integrated, you know. I hope uh, it can be. You know, all the difficulties can be uh, experienced as bringing something positive because it's an invitation to to go deeper and to overcome uh, these difficulties. At the end, um, can bring about a lot of good to to everyone.
1: I think that's beautiful, I, and I think that's an important. Uh, idea to highlight, Mm -hmm. for sure. I want to kind of take this a slightly different route because we've got the trauma aspect Mm -hmm. and uh, there's a book, What Happened to You, Mm -hmm. that Oprah Winfrey has been promoting and she's part of it. And she's saying, change the question from what's wrong with you Mm -hmm. to what's happened to you. I also want to take this from a a different angle and saying, what can we learn from you? Because I think our ancestors have such a wisdom um, and a grace that if we really accept it, it does transform us into a new and modern way, even with the ancient wisdom. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, first on what you say, you know, moving from what's wrong with you to what happened to you. So that's exactly what I mean. We, our nature is in general uh, positive and is relational but because it's not because we are wrong it's because something happened so if we are able to to heal this we can have um uh, we can um, tap on our, our good human nature to uh, to shape how we interact as societies as communities uh you were talking about the, the wisdom of our ancestors i think this is uh, very important um Cultural evolution, uh, science says, is past dependent. So where you're going depends from where you're coming from and how much you have, I would say, integrated all the lessons of your history, right? And uh, so that means also uh, reconnecting to our traditional wisdom. Now the the world, you know, is evolving so fast and I feel often we just a little bit lost track about our history the history of our ancestors. And that's why sometimes, you know, people stick to very rigid identity because they feel threatened, right? So I think we need really to uh, acknowledge that and, you know, pay attention to discuss, reflect what has happened to us, what has happened to our ancestors and how it shapes uh, where we are now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would say uh, for many societies, it's also reconnecting to the spiritual part. And to the traditional wisdom and I've been um, one of the discovery in the research I did for this book was to realize how much traditional wisdoms in different places is similar and for example uh, Ubuntu says I am because you are so that's a relational understanding of our human nature and you find that very same thing in many different uh, cultures and often they have one word to uh, to to say it in uh, in the Philippines, for example, it's kapwa. It's the same kind of understanding from where I where I live with uh, uh, next to this um, uh, meditation practice center of Zen Master Thich Nhat Hanh uh, is a very famous teacher that has first coined the word interbeing. So that is a Buddhist vision of uh, relationality, right? So. All these traditional wisdom tend to converge and for a good reason is that communities can only sustain themselves uh, if their members are responsible and they acknowledge their duties, their responsibility toward their communities uh, which can be also the land, can be also the ancestors, etc. But we really need to, to understand our interdependence and you know, how much relationships are important.
1: Yeah, I I love all of those words. The the entire concept for me is big. Um, All of the inters, interconnected, interrelated, intersectional, all of those things, I think are uh, leading us to this path of being. And I even love the words used, relationality. I think that's beautiful. Um, And spirituality, I think all of it really is, trying to direct us to the same way of being, which is recognizing, as you said, the Ubuntu, I am because you are, you are because I am, and helping people to let go of those uh, defense mechanisms where we build up this wall between us and we, again, try and reinforce this illusion of separation. If we help people through that with grace and with compassion, I see us going just... There's no limit to where we can end up when we actually do this thing together. Um, you, again, you mentioned spirituality. Could you just kind of help us understand your perspective on what that is?
0: I think uh, person, uh, spirituality, I would say, is a science, practice, and art of self-transformation or towards expressing our true nature, who we really are. And, you know, mystics from many different traditions have more or less all had the same ultimate experience, which is that of unity with all that is. Or in Buddhist, we could say interbeing, Buddhist terms. Um, oneness. And if you feel you're one with everything, that means you experience also the suffering of everything as your own suffering. And then compassion is born. Yeah. So that, I think, is the basis of pro-sociality, mm-hmm. so our willingness to, to serve, to support the common good. And science tells us that's also a good part of what makes a human being happy. So we can really reconcile uh, our own happiness and dealing with the environmental and social crises we are facing. So that's really the good news. And a positive narrative for for the way forward in this new paradigm of being. If you if you're coming from the old paradigm of having, you will have at some point to recognize that uh, you know there are some limits to natural resources, to the uh, environmental uh, limits. So at some point, you know, you, would, you you were just saying there is no limit to uh, being, right? To how we can grow as human beings. So that's a real development. We are uh, will be um, inhabiting more and more uh, a world that is physically constrained, environmentally constrained. So we'll have to redefine what progress is. And I, and, and, and we and the good news is that we'll recognize that what we thought progress was, economic development. It's a good thing, but it's only a mean towards an end. Real progress is about becoming who we are.
1: Redefining progress, that's that's so big. And I, I, the reason I, I ask about the spirituality piece, and I love the way that you define it and the way that you include arts and it's it, just fantastic. I'm so, I'm just thrilled to be having this conversation. Um, but I think that spirituality really is integral to uh, having this politics of being and being able to redefine what it is we define as progress. We've done great at building wealth. I don't know that we've done as well with building people. And so we see the character of uh, individuals declining. I-, I think that morality has even become kind of a taboo idea. And uh, I think we really need to invest in uh bringing morality back to the front in, in the value sense, not in a legalistic, uh, harmful way, but in a way that says, do you care about others? Should, should you be generous? Should you have the value of compassion and integrity? Uh, does, it, does it make sense for us to have uh, wealth hoarded in one area while there are folks without homes in another or without food and I think all of that works together and it starts again with just letting these barriers go and the healing that you talk about. What do you see as the, the number one uh, way to develop that character, develop spirituality, to enter into
0: being? I think we need, we need to recognize that uh, morality should not be so much something imposed from the outside, uh, from society to individuals. But rather to recognize that healthy, happy I would even say individuals are often uh, the ones behaving more uh, morally, uh, because of our true nature, which is relational, which is interbeing. So the, um, the more we uh, cultivate you know, this sense of, uh, of, of interbeing the the more we are closer to what we we truly are and um yeah we need uh, all um all the politics of being is basically the idea i mean the methodology about it how i did that well, well, was i able to identify you know the the solutions is coming from the study of the highest human values that have become subjects of science in the last decades and that have entered uh, the um, field of politics and social change. So, for example, you're part of compassionate Las Vegas, right? So there is now a science of compassion, right? And that that science can tell us how to cultivate compassion in societies. Well, it's the same for happiness. It's the same for peace. It's, uh, we, 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 we know also how to cultivate, you know, this sense of interdependence. Uh, People, you know, working on how we bring uh, more um, system thinking, complex thinking, integral thinking into uh, many aspects of our social lives. Uh, we know how to cultivate uh, life in us and life outside of us. You know how nature works, how we are part of it, how we can feel connected to nature, and uh, how this can nourish our physical health, human. He- uh, uh, mental health, wellness, etc. So uh, all these are w- w- what I'm proposing basically is to redesign all societies based on spiritual values, or you could call them the highest human values. And that is philosophically very sound. You know, uh, Platon has defined the 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 good societies as being founded upon uh, truth goodness and beauty so i'm talking the same i'm talking about happiness love peace uh, mindfulness etc so it's really the same even uh, hegel were saying you know the the nature of the human mind is freedom and development for society is allowing um, human beings to express this freedom uh, i'm not talking about you know the Sometimes I feel in the U.S. there is a, a little bit a narrow vision of what freedom is like. Uh, I think there it's important to go back, you know, to our spiritual roots and, for example, reflect on on the words of Jesus, you know. Uh, freed, uh, truth will make you free. Okay, is that, you know, what is uh, the freedom we're talking about? Um,
1: your wisdom is just, um, in this space, it's, it's almost tangible. Um, very, very... Uh, Beautiful. You mentioned happiness frequently and happiness is one of my favorite things, right? I think we all wanna be happy. And I know that in my experience, a lot of individuals equate financial stability with happiness. And in your work, you do talk about the correlation, but that there tends to be a plateau uh, with that happiness factor. What would you say for an individual that, how, how would you help to reframe that idea for an individual where economic uh, progress doesn't always lead to increased happiness. How do you help them understand that?
0: So the, um, the studies are clear, and maybe people can just open the eyes and see around them. You know, uh, I think that's what I what I what I've done also when I was young, just looking around. And if do you believe like the the wealthiest people around you are the are the happiest one, right? Um, and it's just, uh, it's just not true. Um, I see you know, from the outside, you know, I see it's true that the US is, a, is an economic superpower, right? But I, I feel like this is because everybody is running after money. So it's not so much about, you know, uh, enjoying it, uh, but it's really because people are forced to run after money that the economic systems uh, uh, is doing well so people are not uh, the goal the goal is to keep uh, they are rather it's, they are rather used by the system to keep growing and to me you said now people feel good when they are uh, they are having money i think part of it is probably what we were talking about when we we're talking about traumas because people uh, in this society probably feel much more insecure uh, I mean, uh, coming from Europe, we have much more um, social um, support, right? And there is much more equality. So people don't feel uh, that uh, their life depends so much about how m- much money they are making. They are uh, more secured, and then they will uh, then see their lives differently, prioritize more their self-expression than, uh, you know, trying to, to feel safe. That is moving from survival to uh, self-expression in a way.
1: That's freedom. Yeah. That that exactly. to me is true freedom.
0: Exactly. So that's try- a good that's a good example when you say that's freedom. You know, we are talking at the beginning about how we change the value. So freedom is an important value for uh, the American people, and I think that's great. Uh, but there's a deeper meaning to freedom, right? So you can't keep, uh, you know being yourself as american and honoring you know having a special interest for freedom but you need a deeper understanding of what that means and maybe it can lead you to completely different conclusions you know Oh yeah
1: uh, this, this comes full circle with again the title of the book and we'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment but politics of being that's why the policies are so important because what i'm hearing from you and what i'm even just kind of having my aha moment in this this conversation is it's, it's the system, it's the structures, it's the way that we've designed our society that is actually impeding our happiness and is a barrier to our well being because we've prioritized things other than people. Mm-hmm. Is that a, a fair assessment, would you say?
0: Yeah, completely. So you have to understand that the, the having mode has its own logic and the being mode has its own logic. And what we need is really a change of paradigm. When you face a problem, you can say, you know, for example, I don't know, um, students don't behave at school. From one paradigm, you say, okay, it's because there are not enough punishment. There is not enough discipline. There is not enough authority. That's one mindset. And from another mindset is just, okay, maybe they are coming to the school with uh, emotional problem, then they need to uh, as we saw in, in, in that Compassionate School in Las Vegas, they need some uh, mindfulness uh, practice in the morning to just relax and calm down, or because their own uh, s- needs are not recognized, because the teachers may not be kind enough. You know, so y- there's, it's a completely different logic. Uh, one logic can function, but uh, at some point it reached some limitations and we need to switch to another logic. Yeah,
1: and I, I wanna circle back to a couple of things. I mean, so many pieces I wanna pull out, but earlier you just mentioned, and I think it's an important distinction, there's no limit to human being. There is a limit to human having. Exactly. Uh, but on this, this piece, what I'm hearing is the difference between retributive justice and restorative justice. And, and I think that when people hear it framed in the way that you've just outlined, it makes it so much more accessible and less scary. I was doing a ride along with our outstanding Metro Police Department this week. And I just was impressed to be honest with you. I was very impressed with who I was riding with and I got to meet several of the officers and see them in action. Uh, but one thing that I didn't see was a moment for mindfulness. One thing I didn't see in our briefing, because they start their day together in a briefing and go over, you know, if there's an incident or something they have to address or a training, they do that. but they just kind of dive in. There's no pause. There's no let's take a moment to breathe through this. And then even after they see this footage that could be very traumatizing, some of them were literally in the footage, there was no moment to let that go and to release it. So what happens is it becomes repressed instead of healed. And I love that that school starts with that day. We're gonna take a moment for mindfulness. Even kids get this. We gotta take a moment to actually process and I think that would change. That would help us in this change from having to being
0: exactly. And mindfulness is one of uh, the the dimension that uh, is being applied to many sectors. It's kind of to me, it's like a, a medicine uh, flowing in a sick social body to be able to regenerate a lot of uh, professions and 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 systems. So in the case of you mentioned about policemen, there have been great um, projects to teach mindfulness to police officers and it's very important because they, uh, it's a very stressful profession and, it's, uh, and the stress tends to accumulate and if you don't have a neuroscience it's very clear about that also your uh, cortisol for example the hormone of, of stress is rising and is rising often as is the case of policemen during the day If it has not the time to to come back, then it becomes you know their kind of new level and that exhausts their body. It's also mindfulness is also the capacity to stop, to be able to respond. That's freedom, rather than to react, and that's one of the most important capacity for a police officer, right?
1: I I love the theme that I I hear emerging in this conversation, which is a higher level of freedom Mm -hmm. because everything that we're talking about is really expanding our freedom. And you you think about some of these tools, mindfulness and dealing with physical ailments. That's less expensive than some of those pharmacy stuff we've been doing. Um, It's less expensive than surgery. And uh, restorative justice is less expensive than retributive justice. And providing kids space to play is less expensive than dealing with all of the corrections that have to come. And you can get a lot more done with less economically mm-hmm. if you transition into this paradigm that you're talking about. So, I mean, I could talk to you all day. I really, really could. But I want to get into your book. So where can people find your book? How do they get in touch with you? Just give us the whole the whole story.
0: Sure. So that's a book, Politics of Being, wisdom and science for a new development paradigm. So uh, there is um, a website www.politicsofbeing.com where you have all the the links to the different platforms, including Amazon, uh, where you can find the book. Um, and I'm on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. So uh, you're welcome, and just want to comment like. Um, I think, you know what you say, that now we have the, the rational, the evidence that it has become so clear that's where we want to, that where we need to go. And this is because the time is now. And because we have been uh, so much in the other direction that the benefits that we can get to switching to the other modes, mode are huge.
1: Yeah. And I, I want to comment on the book because this isn't something you just threw together overnight. It took you 10 years to write this book, is that right?
0: Yes, exactly. I've spent ten years to to work on this book, and I've I was always asking my wife, you know, especially when I come to, you know, the insights that leads to simplicity, clarity, etc. And I was saying, I don't know why no one has yet written this book. In two thousand, the Earth Charter was published. It was some say it was one of the most uh, discussed uh, document in the history of humanity, and it says when when basic needs have been met development is ab- is primarily about being more rather than having more. To me, uh, that's the most fundamental question of our time. How we can do this transition? By doing this, trans- by investing in being instead of having, we'll be able to do the cultural evolution uh, and the shift of consciousness that is so needed right now.
1: Yeah, Our planet is a finite, finite limited place. We only have so much resource here and we have to learn to live within the bounds of this planetary home. And I think your book helps us to get there. So I wanna uh, close with a few questions and I just want you to finish the statements here. And uh, I'll give you, a, you know, a couple words and then you, whatever pops, don't, don't overthink it, but just say whatever comes to mind, all right? Happiness is?
0: Relationships.
1: Love matters
0: because? It is what we are.
1: I was not ready for that answer. <laughs> oh my gosh, the, the, yes, it is, it is what and who we are. The right thing right now is. Being. Being is.
0: Interbeing.
1: Elaborate.
0: Well, that's why I was saying, you know, uh, the fundamental or fundamental nature that some of the great mystics from many different traditions have experienced is that sense of unity, that sense of of oneness, uh, that in the Buddhist tradition, according to Zen Master Thich Nhat Hanh, we call interbeing, and just a recognition that I'm a Thomas. Uh, I'm what Thomas is made of. is made of my ancestors. is made of my education. is made of my friends. is made of the book I'm reading. is made of the place where I've been. Uh, so. It's all about I'm interbeing with all these different aspects and I need to recognize that and this is freedom
1: warm fuzzies I'm just I'm buzzing with that I love that being is interbeing a couple more uh, compassion is
0: our essence I am because you are love it
1: well thomas thank you so much for being on the podcast i have enjoyed this so immensely and again I've I've got the book so I I feel like I can call you up via the book anytime and have this conversation but um, I'm just grateful for your being and for you choosing to come to Las Vegas and in part into our city for joining the podcast for our global audience and just for having the courage to say what uh, what you're saying.
0: Realize that maybe I'm a uh, I'm quite a, a free person, even professionally, and that allows me also to say the things like very upfront because I don't have a, a career agenda. So I think I'm, I'm quite free to, to say the things. And even, I mean, I've had, a, I guess, a deep uh, spiritual journey and I use spiritual language, but I also use a lot of science. So I, I don't shy away for, for both. And I think both have a lot to, to bring to, you know, um, to help us seeing, you know, the, the new stage of our, for evolution as societies.
1: Beautiful. This has been Compassionate Las Vegas, the podcast. I'm your host, Will Rucker. And as I always remind you, you are not just a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop and what you do matters. So live compassionately. I'll see you next time.